我们今天要讲这个圣诞的message 2,000 years ago, our Lord became man and lived here on this earth for 33 years. Why did he have to do that? In Luke chapter 2, verse 11, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This was the very first Christmas celebrated 2,000 years ago. This was the proclamation made by the angels towards the shepherds. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Look at Luke chapter 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This was a statement made by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Why did I have to come here? Came to seek and to save the lost. My purpose here is to come, is, uh, I came here to seek and to save the lost. Let us look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. This was a statement made by the Apostle Paul. Jesus Christ came into the world to save the sinners. Jesus Christ came to this world to save the sinners. Whether it was the angels, whether it was the apostles, even Jesus Christ himself, all of them are saying the same thing. They are united in saying the same thing. Jesus Christ came to this world to save sinners like you and I. Jesus Christ is the most precious gift we will ever have in this world. Because the problem of sin and death cannot be solved by any man. And Jesus came to this world for you and I. And he came here to solve our problem of sin and to solve our problem of death. And this is the most precious gift we will ever have. I don't know what kind of precious gifts you have received this Christmas. But I can guarantee you, none of the gifts we will ever receive will be more precious than the gift of Jesus Christ. Why? Why? Because the things that we receive, the gifts that we receive, are merely material gifts. One day, it will decay and slowly fade away. Only the gift from our God called eternal life 
eternal life, a life that lasts forever. This is the most precious gift. But sad to say, a lot of people cannot understand nor accept this gift. And I hope that through today's message, that we will all hear about this most precious gift. In Luke chapter 15, it talks about three different stories. The parable of the lost sheep. The parable of the lost coin. And the parable of the prodigal son. But today we'll be focusing on the first two parables. The parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. It's because if we don't understand these two parables, we will never understand the story of the prodigal son. It seems like there are three different stories, but it's merely one story. The parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost son or, or the prodigal son, they're all one story. Example of the lost sheep. The shepherd had a hundred sheep, he lost one. And he left the 99 behind to look for the one that was lost. This was the shepherd that looked for the lost sheep. How about the parable of the lost coin? There's this widow who lost uh, one coin. And she looked all over her house for that lost coin. This was the parable of the, of the widow who looked for the lost coin. How about the parable of the prodigal son? The father had two sons. The one who was a prodigal, he left his home and, and went to live his own life. And the father waited for that son to come back home. This was the father who waited patiently for his son. The three stories are just one story. Why? Why? Because this was a story told by Jesus Christ. Jesus told them this parable. It says here, then Jesus told them this parable. Look at the English translation. It's singular. This is merely one parable. Just one example. What does this signify? Are the, the God that we believe in are three uh, triune God. It's the story of how the Holy Father, the Holy Son, and the Holy Spirit Seek, is seeking those who are lost. These three parables can represent three different kinds of lost people. Example of the lost sheep. It represents those people who knew, who know that they are lost, but have no ability to go back home. There are people who are living in sin, and they know they are living in the wrong way. They know that being drunk always is wrong. Knowing that they're they're always gambling, it's wrong. Knowing that they're they're womanizing it's wrong. Knowing that they're, uh, they're involved in pornography and it's wrong. But they have no ability to break free from those kind of bondages. And they needed the shepherd to come and look for them. 
但是我们不知道我们的钱是从何来的我们从何来的我们从何来的我们从何来的我们从何来的我们从何来的我们从何来的我们从何来的我们从何来的我们从何来的我们从何来的我们从何来的我们从何来的我们从何来的我们从何来
What's the background of the three parables? There were two different kinds of people there. Tax collectors and sinners. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law. These three examples. It's a comparison between these two types of people. It's it's the comparison between the tax collectors and sinners versus the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. The parable of the lost sheep. It's a comparison. The lost sheep versus the sheep that remain in the earth. The parable of the lost coin. It's a comparison between the lost coin and those coins that were available. How about the parable of the lost son? It's a comparison between the prodigal son and the elder brother. And you need to look at it and explain these three parables from this background. Only then can you truly understand the real meaning behind these three parables. Let's look at the first parable. The parable of the lost sheep. Look at verses 4 to 7. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulder and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. You have a hundred sheep, you lost one. And what does this one represent? It represents those who are lost in their sin. They are living here confused in this world. And they are here among this material world. And they are lost and they need people to help them. They needed a shepherd to come there and look for them. And what does the 99 sheep that were left in the open country represent? If you're to go back to this back uh, to the background of the story in Luke chapter 15, these 99 sheep, it represents those people who are self-righteous. There are righteous people, but they do not know that they needed to repent. Only if you look at it from this perspective, will you understand the story. Because there is no shepherd in this world that is that foolish. If you just lose one sheep, would you leave behind the 99 to go look for that one? You probably is mentally unbalanced. If you have saved that one lost sheep, you probably would have lost the 99 other sheep. And you probably be the dumbest shepherd in the whole world. But if you are to look at the context found in the Bible, these 99 sheep 
These are people who feel that they don't need to repent. They feel that they have no need for the Lord to save them. Look at the last verse. Tell you the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Here comes a problem. Is there anybody in this world righteous enough that they don't need to repent? In Luke chapter 5, it was recorded there. One time, Jesus was dining with the tax collectors and the sinners. And the Pharisees were so angry. And Jesus, and he, they, the, the Pharisees told the disciples of Jesus, Why does your master mingle and dine with those tax collectors and sinners? Because these Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they felt that they were very holy. They will not have anything to do with the sinners. Imagine, Imagine. Imagine. One day, if see our pastor will have uh, will have a, a lunch or a meal together with the most famous smuggler in the Philippines. Probably in your heart you'll say, Why did Reverend Chung have a meal with this person? And probably in your heart you, you say we should not associate with this type of people. And you know how Jesus answered? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need the doctor, but the sick. I have not I have not come to call the righteous. But sinners to repentance. Wow, Jesus was very good in, in, and eloquent in preaching and in explaining. With one answer, he completely explained his position. Those who are healthy do not need a doctor, it's only for those who are sick. For us who are healthy, do we want to go to and consult with a doctor? Have you ever said to yourself, I haven't consulted with a doctor for a long time? Shall I go there and converse with this doctor? Nobody wants to visit a doctor. Even though sometimes when we feel unhealthy and we are sick, we still don't want to see a doctor. You know what kind of what type of a doctor is the one that's most feared? It's the dentist. If we have dentists among us, please do not be It's not my own statement. This was this was a, the result of a, a, a research and a st statistics. 
because the, the sound and the noise we make from the dental equipment, it's, it's, it brings fear to our heart. If I have no toothache, if I don't feel anything wrong with my, with my teeth, I will not consult with a dentist. My dentist is also a member of our church. And she is very, very kind and very good to me. Whenever I, I consult with her, and she will always converse with me first. And then she will start. And she, she will say, uh, Reverend Chung, uh, you will start your suffering. <laughs> I will no longer speak. So from, from, the mo- from that moment on, I'll just open my mouth and suffer. Nobody wants to visit a doctor. There is a need for us to go for a doctor because that's what Jesus said. I came here to seek those who are sinners. That's why I associate myself with them. May the Lord help us. This world, there's nobody righteous. There is no one righteous in this world. In Genesis chapter 8, the Lord God destroyed this whole world with the flood. Only Noah and his family, a household of eight people, remained. When Noah came out of this world, he thanked the Lord for his salvation. It was the very first Thanksgiving offering given to the Lord. And it was acceptable to the Lord. That's why the Lord gave him this promise and this guarantee. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. And never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. If the Bible had not said this, I dare not make this thing. The Bible is very blunt. Because the Bible is God's word. The inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. Our, if, if you are to examine our inner heart, we are not good people. Even a baby even an infant would have bad intentions. And there is another uh, verse in the Bible that's also this very uh, blunt. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? You know, animal because of their hunger, they needed to kill another animal. Just like a lion. Lion will go after a deer. And they will still need yet very accurately attack and pounce on that deer. The first first step is to bite the deer around its neck. 
tail bite with all its might. Then it's one uh, with one bite they will kill. They will kill the deer. Yeah, lion or a tiger will kill another animal. It's because of their hunger. What? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. sorry. Human beings are different. Our cruelty our, and our wickedness is beyond human imagination. When we kill somebody, they would think of very, uh, very devious kind of way that's unimaginable. There was a, 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 an incident that happened in Hong Kong. And somebody killed another person. And that person killed another person and chopped up his body and put it as a, as a bun, a shopao bun for other people to eat. That's why if I go to the other country, I don't like to eat asado. Because honestly, I don't know what type of meat was being used. Especially when I open it and it's full of, of juices. Please don't give me asado. <laughs> That's how cruel man is. There's a Chinese saying called hiding a knife behind a smile. It's only something that humans will do. They will smile with you. They'll smile at you, smile with you, yet they have a knife that will try to pierce you. Animals won't do that. Dogs won't do that. When a dog bites you, they will not smile. In the past, I, I don't know if you remember, I've shared this. If you, have, if you have a pet dog in your house, today, if you don't feel good, for some reason, you do not feel good that day. You would kick your dog. Your dog will whimper and run away. After one hour, but after one hour, you feel bad about it. And you call out to the dog. Come on, come on, honey, come on. You call out to the dog. Will the dog come here? The dog will return. The dog will come back to you. And it will still wag its tail as, as it comes to you. And it will try to play with you and jump. Up at you. This is cow. That's a dog. Think about it. Let's put it in the opposite. You don't feel good. Maybe you were, you were reprimanded by your boss at, at, at work. And you see your wife. And you, you got so angry. And you, you, and you slap your wife and you kick her, your wife. So your wife is crying. So she went to the kitchen. Out of a few minutes. After a few minutes, you, you're embarrassed. You call your wife. Honey, come. come here. Would she come to you? She will not come to you. If she comes to you and she smiles, please be very alert. You probably will end up dead. She probably will poison you or stab you to death. That's human beings. That's why the Bible is very blunt in telling us that we are filled with evil intentions from our heart, from our childhood. We often say this. Baby, Babies 
are very uh, adorable. Baby, we often refer to babies as angels without wings. They truly look like that. If you have a baby at home, especially babies that are like one or two years old, they are so adorable. Please remember, these kind of babies, if you do not raise them up properly, and you allow them to live however they want to live, one day, this this uh, baby from an angel will become the devil. I'm not saying this casually. Look at this world. The most wicked person in this world. These terrorists that exist in this world. These people who commit murders and other heinous crimes. When they were born, they were like they were also babies. And they also looked like angels. How did they turn out to be like that? The Bible has an explanation. In Psalm 51, verse 5. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. This is because we have this sinful nature in our lives. From a human perspective, when we commit sin, we are called sinners. So when you approach somebody and tell that person, you are a sinner. I have never killed anybody. I have never uh, swindled money from people. I have never been in prison. Why do you call me a sinner or a criminal? Because from the biblical perspective, we sin because we are sinners. We do not become sinners because we sin. We were born sinners, that's why we sin. In the book of Romans, chapter 3, verses 10 to 18, in this passage, I don't have to explain, let's just read it. It explained clearly and completely the situation of a sinner. Just listen to this. There's no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There's no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are, are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery marks their ways, and the ways of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. This is truly a perfect explanation of how we are as human beings. Our heart, our mind, our hands, our feet, every part of our body is against the Lord. That's why in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, we are told that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Jesus came here for you and for me. Because you and I are lost sheep. 
And we needed the shepherd to come and look for us and then bring us back home. May the Lord help us. Two thousand years ago, Jesus came. This good shepherd came. He came to seek you and I. And I hope that today you will be found. Look at, let's look at now at the second parable. The parable of the lost coin. Look at verses 8 and 10. Uh, verses 8 to 10. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The same, let's look at the, the context and the background to explain this parable. There was this woman who lost one coin and she spent the whole day looking for that one coin. And she even had to light a candle or light a lamp to look for that coin. During, during that time, their lamp was uh, the, the lamp that they use in the time of Jesus, oil lamp, and it's very expensive to light a lamp. And after she found the coin, and she celebrated with her friends and neighbors. How did such a thing happen? Of course, there were theologians who tried to explain it this way. They were saying that that coin was not an ordinary coin. It's an engagement coin of a Jewish woman. Regardless of whether it was an engagement coin or an ordinary coin, there was no reason why she needed to go through all these just to find that coin. The main focal point of this parable is is verse 10 the same way I tell you there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over sinner over one sinner who repents if you are to look at it from the background what does this coin represent it represents those Pharisees and the teachers of the law they were they are the lost coins what does this mean they were lost in the house the Pharisees and the teachers of the law they spent their whole life in Inside the temple of the Lord serving the Lord. And they have no idea that they are lost. To, to explain it in today's terms, there are people who spend their whole life attending church services and worshiping inside the church. But they have no idea that they have yet to fully understand God's salvation. They have never left the church. But they are considered as lost. Why? Because the coin has no awareness. The lost coin is not aware that it is lost. Just look at it. It's lost there. It's there. He help, help, doesn't even know how to cry out for help. Unless the master looks for it, 
coin will forever remain where it was lost. Because it has no idea that it is lost. What does this represent? There are people in this world. They have no idea that they are lost. They are probably very religious. And these are probably people with very high moral standards in their life. And in our term, we will call them good people. There are truly good people in this world. And they are truly very good in their relationship with other people. And they are very honest and very conscientious in conducting business. And they are very responsible when it comes to their household. They are very faithful to their wives. These are good men. We call them good men. But, but they are still lost. Why? You know, when the, the road to heaven is only one road, there is no other way. Because that's what the Bible tells us. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Apart from me, no one can go to heaven. When he says there's no other way, there is no other way. The Apostle Paul said the same thing. Salvation is found in no other in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. It's only one way. That's the way of Jesus Christ. Because he came. That we will now have to follow him. We can follow him up to heaven. But I'm sorry to tell you. Path to heaven may be one, but there's there's a myriad of ways. There are a multitude of ways going to hell. If you if you steal, you go to hell. If you commit uh, rape or, or do other things, you go to hell. If you worship idols, you go to hell. If you are jealous or envious of other people, then you will go to hell. There are so many paths and so many different other ways to go to hell. But there's one very special path. You can go to hell while still in church. You spend your whole life worshipping here. And you look like a very faithful a member of the church. Because you love to come to this place. You love the music here. You love the environment. You like the people here. And you love to listen to the sermons. But, but you have yet to accept that very precious gift. And you have not accepted that salvation. You have not accepted that precious gift of salvation. So the moment you pass away, your path leads you to hell. So how will I ever reach heaven? You need to know yours, Lord and Savior. In John chapter 17, verse 3. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the one 
or the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life can only be achieved when we know our Lord and know our God and, and Jesus Christ. Eternal life cannot be achieved by coming to church. Eternal life cannot be achieved by merely being baptized. Because it's completely different to know the Lord in our mind and to live out and know the Lord in our heart. Just imagine if I have a piece of, of, of apple on my, on my hand. Let me tell you that this apple is very delicious and it's very sweet. And you would say yes. But it has nothing to do with you unless you took a bite from it. Not only do you know in your mind that that apple is sweet, but you have tasted it, you have experienced it, and know for yourself that it is sweet. Only then can you truly relate to that apple. So don't put your faith and your knowledge of your faith just merely here on your mind. By faith, accept that very precious gift of salvation. If you have been in a church in our church long enough, you probably have heard me share this. But for the sake of those who are here for the first time, I'd like to repeat this. I came from Hong Kong. 1988. The, when I first set foot in the Philippines, so I was younger. So I so I was quite adventurous in, in food and I like to try everything. Only one kind of food that I dare not eat. It's called balut. The first time I ate balut, when I opened it, I saw that embryo looking back at me. I was looking at it and it was looking back at me. I don't know if, whether it was this fear that causes panic in me. So I dare not eat it. So for, for five years or six years while I was here in the Philippines, I dare not eat balut until one time. I don't know if some of you are old enough to remember there was a time in the Philippines wherein brownouts or power outages were, was very prevalent. One time we had this summer camp in Pagsanghan and we thank the Lord. It's very good that from the first day until the last day, there were no power outages. Because last night. Until the very last night. Right after we concluded our last service. Suddenly power outage. We say it's okay because we are finished. We're about to go home. After 30 minutes. After 30 minutes. There was a deacon of our church who came and approached me. She, uh, he bought one whole basket full of balut. He said, Reverend Chung, this is the most famous Pagsanghan balut. Try, try one. And I say, sorry. I will eat anything except balut. Why? 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 Because I don't want to see it. Brown out. It was brown out. 
the deacon said to me, you cannot see it and it doesn't, it cannot see you. Try it. And I was thinking about it. Okay. Since I cannot see it, let me try. And after I tried, and I only then discovered how good it tastes. And not only did I eat one, I ate two. But if you give me one, I'll eat it. Suddenly, I understood a very important concept. Many times, many times we regard our faith just like a balloon. We are afraid. Is it true if I accept Christ, will I be saved or not? Is it, is it only Christ? Is it true that only Christ is the one true God and all the other gods are false gods? Why not try it? Why Why not not try it? it? Nobody's forcing you. After you've tried for yourself, once you have tasted and experienced it yourself, I can guarantee you, you will never depart from this because you will discover that this is the most precious gift. That we not leave our faith here in our life because it will never be of any benefit to us. Those, those who have studied theology, you know, the country with the deepest theological history is Germany. So if you want to get, get uh, a PhD with the most theological uh, learnings, you go to Germany for your PhD in theology. But I would like to share with you a very sad news. Germany is one of those nations in Europe that has the most number of people who are non, uh, not, not going to church anymore. There are about 200,000 Christians who leave the church every year in Germany. Why? Why? Because head knowledge doesn't equate to life maturity. So may the Lord help us. Now that we understand the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin, we will now understand the parable of the lost son. How is it different? How is this parable different from the first two parables? If you are to observe the parable of the lost coin and the lost sheep, it was the master or the shepherd who went out and looked for the one that is lost. Only this example or parable of the lost son that the father did not do anything except stand there and wait. What does this represent? Because if you look at the first two parables, the Lord voluntarily uh, I took the initiative to look for those who are lost. That's why it, it really jives with this statement that the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. So that's why the Lord was celebrating for those who were lost and now is found.
Long How about the parable of the lost son? Long to be do see Shong de Ting Hao Nan Do Lai, you may Shong de Yinga Joya Yiking Joy Lao Lao. The parable of the lost son emphasizes God waiting for us to return to him because he already has done everything. The, the only son has already come here into this world. And he already died there on the cross for you and I. And he had already completed the work of salvation. Jesus had his seven last words on the cross. And the, and the sixth, finished. It is finished. It is finished. What was finished? Not, it's not saying that I am finished. The work of salvation is finished. He has already completed the work of salvation. Now he is awaiting for you and I to come back home. So when the prodigal son came back home, you, you understand why now the father did not reprimand him. Because what the father needed to do, he already did it. As long as he repents, that's it. Because the Son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ, has already paid the price and solved the problem of sin for us. So the question now remains whether we will accept, believe and accept or not. 2,000 years ago, Jesus became man and lived among us. He lived for us. And he gave, that, gave us this gift. Let me ask you, are you in any way related to this gift? Have you experienced this gift? This most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. May the Lord bless us. May this gift that is being given to you this Christmas be your most precious lifetime gift. That those of us who will seek him and believe in him will never be lost, will never perish but have eternal life. May the Lord speak to you this Christmas. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. 2,000 years ago, you have given us your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. For our sakes, he became man. And for the sake of our sins, you came here and you died on the cross. And you have already solved and resolved all our problems of sins. These remain our head knowledge. But this knowledge needs to be translated into life experience for us. Help us, Lord, to open our heart to accept this most precious gift. That this Christmas, that we will accept this most wonderful and joyous gift from you. That from this day on, we would follow you for the rest of our lives. 
That we will come to taste and experience you, Lord. We know. Once we have tasted this blessing and this grace, we will never abandon it. Because we know this is the most precious gift. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hear us in our prayers. This is our prayer in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.